You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Maybe I'm in love with you I say maybe Maybe I'm in love with you Good afternoon, you've got Living Writers, and I'm T. Hetzel. Today I'm so happy to be talking via technology with Diane Cook. Uh, Diane, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, T. Nice to be back. I know it's so it's great that you're back. Yeah, we we talked a few years ago now when um your your story collection Man v Nature came out. Um and so it's 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 been a few years. I've missed you. <laughs> I missed you too. <laughs> oh, well, today um we're talking because your first novel is out in the world. The, the new wilderness um, and and many congratulations on um, the the shortlist for the Booker Prize nominations too thank you that was quite a shocker I'm very very excited about it because you first must have heard about the long list right <laughs> yeah what, what was that like well it was an email from my editor um, and it was like just pretty shocking I don't think it's it was not an award. I knew, I knew my publisher in the UK had submitted me for it, but it wasn't. So I knew like, well, yes, now there is a very slim possibility that you could get on the list because you're going to be considered as opposed to a book that isn't considered. But I certainly didn't think that it would actually make it anywhere. And to then get on the short list was quite surprising. Um, and I'm like, really thrilled about it and I'm in love with the Booker judges they're like my favorite people now (laughs) I know they're like top of my list too now (laughs) good people yeah yeah I noticed because for here in the states um the press is 1817 Harper an imprint of Harper Collins publishers but Uh one world publications in the UK and that was same with man v nature too Yes. So I had like my first two books under contract with HarperCollins and then um, One World in the UK, which is just a a really small but great publisher, um, decided to take both books as well. And, you know, before the novel was really fully done. um, Wow. Yeah. So that was that was fun. The editor there is so wonderful. I love her. What's what's her name? Diana? Oh, her name is Juliet. Maybe, oh, what and a great she's name. just uh, I know. <laughs> um, she's just great. She just believes in the work I do, and that's really all you can ask. Oh, completely, and what a great name too. When I saw One World Publications, I was like, "This is a what a great home for this book." Yeah, I'll read the your short bio in the back of the New Wilderness. 
Diane Cook is the author of the story collection Man v. Nature, which was a finalist for the Guardian First Book Award, the Believer Book Award, and the Los Angeles Times Art Siedenbaum Award for First Fiction. Her stories have appeared in Harper's Magazine, Tin House, Granta, The Best American Short Stories, and the O. Henry Prize Stories. She received a 2016 fellowship from the National Endowment for the Arts and is a former producer for the radio show This American Life. Diane lives in Brooklyn, New York. Um, with her husband, daughter, and son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a, with a full house these days. Many. Yes, and and the the fun thing is that we're actually in Michigan right now, T, and and I was in Ann Arbor this morning. No, get yes. out! What the heck? <laughs> oh my goodness! I was, I was in Ann Arbor this morning. If it wasn't in the time of COVID, we mm-hmm. could have been. Yeah, it's 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 too bad, but I mean, there's like so much that's too bad right now. <laughs> so this is so, like one of the small things, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it sort of pales in comparison to um, the the kind of the earth shaking things we we hear about almost daily. It feels like yeah. right now. Um, yeah, the why too Michigan? bad, the terrible. Oh, my mother in law lives here, and um, we just had a baby uh, in June another baby. So we have a, a daughter who's almost three and now we have a little boy who's four months. And we just came to Michigan to get out of Brooklyn um, and to have a little extra space, have a yard, have some extra help, let you know our son meet other people besides us because we're <laughs> basically living in total quarantine. Um, so, we're, yeah, we're here. We've been here about a month. I don't know when we're going to go back. Everything is very unclear, <laughs> but <laughs> that's where we are right now. Oh, I'm so glad you're here, though, Diane. It's, <laughs> yeah, me yeah. too. And many, many congratulations on, on your on your baby boy um, joining. He's He's got a good family. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank well, you. You know what? And this... The New Wilderness. Let's start talking about your novel, your first okay. novel. Um, it's it's like it's such it's also like a novel that's like a solid presence in the world. There's nothing shy about this first novel um, and it, being in the world and and motherhood and mothers have a prominent uh, place throughout the pages. Um, Diane, could you could you talk a little bit about how, um, when you knew that was going to be the case? Because it's it's Bea's story, it's Agnes's story, it's you know the the community's story. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there is so much about motherhood. Yeah, um, I think I always knew I was going to write a book about mothers and daughters. Um, I, I had the premise first that was like the very first thing that came to me but I think that I knew that I would be writing about a mother and daughter um from the very beginning and certainly Agnes and V were the first characters that came to me um and I so much so that I I feel like I must have had them in my head before I even came up with the 
idea for the novel, but I, I don't know that that's true, but they're so big and alive and uh, so much a part of my brain now that it seems impossible that there was ever a time I didn't have them in mind, you know? Um, but I, but I, I was, I tend to write a lot about motherhood even before I was a mother. Um, I think just like parsing out whether I wanted to be a mother, um, in like, in my book of short stories, there are a lot of stories about motherhood from like a slightly different timeline of that, uh, identity. And I just think a lot about being a daughter I thought I was thinking about a lot, a lot about being a daughter as I was writing this. And then I had a daughter. And so I was thinking a lot about being a mother. And so I try to take on both sides of that relationship with the book. And, and Diane, when you say like they're, they're big and alive, uh, B and Agnes, um, mm -hmm. B the, the mother and Agnes, the daughter, um, who who then also has the experience of um being a mother for mm -hmm. someone too mm -hmm. um like they're they're big and alive um does that mean like cuz when how long was it that it did it take for you to be immersed in the world of the new wilderness um I think, well, that's a really good question. I, like, I had the idea in 2012. I put it aside for a couple of years because I didn't want to start writing it yet. But during that time, like, it was building itself in my brain, you know? Like, I was taking notes about it and I was thinking about it, but I just wasn't doing anything formal with it yet. Why was that? Do you know? Like, or is it well, possible to say? Yeah, I was writing the short stories still, and yeah. I really cared about that project, and I wanted to finish it. And, you know, I think the questions that were coming to me with the story collection just felt more pressing. Um, and, you know, I just had, like, I had my own timeline. Like, I didn't want to write a novel yet, but I just, I had the idea, and I, I was really interested in the idea. Um is that is that when you had gone um on the the US Forest Service walk is that where the the germ of the the idea started yeah so i was at this residency on the coast of oregon called the sitka center for art and ecology um and i was there for like 3 months and it was like the first residency i ever did i was like pretty new out of grad school I was working on these short stories. I just had like no other concerns. And I was like in this, like almost like it's, it's such a lush forest right on the coast. Um, and we would go for these walks with the, there was a, a nature conservancy land like that was adjacent to the residency and then a national state forest right behind or a national forest, I guess. And, um, it was just like a natural place. And a lot of what we did was thinking about, I mean, a lot of what I did was like, obviously writing my, the whole point of me being there was to spend time writing, but they always had these little, um, walks or events for us to do with people in the community 
who you know were like were involved in some way in the local environment and so we went on this walk and it wasn't even the walk itself that like inspired me but we were talking someone mentioned something about uh environmental mitigation which is a, a term for like a policy where if you develop one p parcel of land you have to m mitigate another parcel of land back to a, re a wilded state you know like rewilding something mm. um and i just had this idea like what if there was like a huge area that decided that it was going to be the mitigation. Like it was going to let itself be turned back into a wild place to like offset the development happening elsewhere. Um, and like, that's like the very early idea that got me, that got me the place in the novel called the wilderness state, which is this large, vast wilderness. It's the last wilderness left in the country and it and actually like this origin story i'm telling you like doesn't even really matter anymore because like it's not really necessary for the novel um it's like this is like the very first thing that i thought of and then the novel like took on its own form and then i changed you know like the reasons why something existed or the reasons why people were there. And I was just like fixing problems as I was writing, but like the space itself was this big, large connected, vast ecosystem. And in my mind, it got to be that way because it had once been a developed place that had been reverted back to a wild place. I forget yeah. what the original question was. Yeah. Well, no, that was great. I was, well, it was just um, because I think in the acknowledgments section, you had said thanks to um, two people at the USFS. Um, yes. So I was, I was imagining um, that, that sometimes, because sometimes when you're walking, that's also mm -hmm. when ideas happen somehow oh, for me all the time all the time and like so much of the book is like written in my iphone just when i'm walking around um really? but yeah like yeah oh yeah <laughs> um but yeah i remember that walk i'll never forget where i had where like i learned what that term was i didn't know what that term was and then it just it's like when you learn something that just lights a huge bonfire in your brain you know like <laughs> and it just you know it's like it's just a term that I hadn't heard before but my my imagination just took it and it was like the jumping off point for something that became became very like much more complex um and and took on a life of its own but that was the definitely the jumping off point and and so do you think because I'm go going back to something you said a little bit earlier Diane when you with like how you, you had this idea 2012 ish, right? And then you put it aside um, because you wanted to, to stay with the short story project that, that became, became Man Be Nature. Like there was, like, right? Do you think mm -hmm. it actually helped in some way because you were accumulating? Like the idea didn't go away because sometimes people are like, or at least, you know, I've even had this experience where something feels pressing and urgent and, and I might dash down a few things, but if I don't do more of it, it can fade or, or the time passes for it. Um, whereas it mm -hmm. sounds almost 
with um, the the new wilderness, you had pieces that you kept, I don't know, gathering or an accumulation. Yeah, it it kept growing for me. I, I, I know what you mean. Like there are sometimes those ideas that just fade or you kind of talk yourself out of them over time. Yeah. What I did that I think was helpful was that I had the idea and I liked it a lot, but I knew I didn't, I just didn't have the ability to work on it then. And I, so, but I gave myself like a day and I spent the whole day just like taking a ton of notes about it. Like letting my brain go wherever. I'm sure this is where B and Agnes first appeared. Um, I just like wrote characters, wrote scenes, took a bunch of notes to myself, like rules for the world. I spent the whole day and I think I accumulated like 40 pages of notes. Wow. And so, and that was this like pure generative, like I didn't let myself not think something, you know, I just (laughs) let myself do all of it. All the, you know, like as much thinking as I could, as much imagining and creating as I could. And then I, so I had that document always to look back on, even when I felt like I was getting lost somewhere. And, um, and so it was like in its own way, a type of manifesto. Kind of. Yeah. And, and it was just like, I'd already started building it. So I couldn't, like, I couldn't lose faith in it because I'd already built a foundation for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I built enough of, of a foundation for it that I, I, it became a real thing in my mind that I could return to. So even when I was finishing the stories and, and, you know, like finishing that book and even promoting it, I was, I always had the new wilderness or the wilderness state in my head. Like it was always a real place after that. And so I could always think about it. And so even when I'm finishing the stories every now and then I'd start, writing this, I'd have an idea for the novel and I would just like go jot it down or go spend an afternoon writing about it so that it like slowly accumulated some real material. And then, and then I guess maybe in 2016, I started really writing it in earnest. Um, and where what it was does like, that, what does that look like for you? Oh, <laughs> well, b- before that, it looks a lot like, what'd you do today, honey? Oh, I went hiking. <laughs> Did you write? No, <laughs> that's what, that's what my life looked like beforehand. Um, and then when I'm writing in earnest, it's like, I start doing the really, um, disciplined thing of like, writing every day or, I mean, not actually writing every day, but, uh, trying to get to a word count every day. You know, some writers do word counts where they try and write a thousand words a day, mm-hmm. something like that. I had never done that before I started writing this novel. Um, but I, I had to, because I think just the novel's just too big. Um, yeah. and there's just too much to get down. So yeah, the real work then became like, I knew kind of the path the novel needed to take. And I had to get through each of those, you know, to each cairn as a, you know, as I was like moving through it. Yeah. 
Oh, that's, that's also, that's a lovely and true image. Um, <laughs> and, and so were those were, cause you said you were hiking, right? Which, um, do you also in, like, if you're in Brooklyn or so, do you have urban hikes or, or was it especially important to have some residencies? Like you, you mentioned the Sitka center and I remember us talking about that, that place, how important it was for your, your story collection too. Yes. Um, but yeah, do you also hugely think important. You hike, do you think do you think about like are there Brooklyn hikes <laughs> too? Well, no. <laughs> I mean okay. there are, but <laughs> it's different. So I in in the middle of all of this, I had a, a luxurious two and a half year or two years, I guess, in California. Um, we relocated to, uh, Oakland, California for a couple of years, about 2004, yeah, 2000, 2014 to 2016. Um, so then that was like just hiking nonstop for me. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have children yet. So I was running off to do residencies as much as I could, um, and yeah, so, and another one of the residencies that I did was up in Oregon and on the eastern side of Oregon in the high desert. And that's where I got the landscape for the new wilderness, um, where that, that landscape really, uh, captured me and, and I had to write about it. And so was there something like a, like a caldera that you could see? in the distance or any yeah. leaves and different. well there was this yeah there was well it's like yeah it's like there is this cave there called the paisley cave and it's actually where they they have one of the earliest um human relics of like you know a prehistoric uh or a primitive history where there's like fossilized human feces there Oh, in Oregon. Um, and that was like a place that we visited at the, when I was at the residency and yeah, there's like, you know, there's calderas all around. I mean, not that I could see it, but, um, Crater Lake is there. Uh, it wasn't near where I was, but, um, it's like this, you know, that part of the country is this volcanic place. And I think the image in my mind was always like of a Mount, a snow dusted Mount hood that is just so like sharp you know it just looks like a triangle on the horizon in some ways yeah um but there was this caldera nearby that was always closed because like it was a seasonal road up to the top and i was never there during the right season but it was this double caldera at the top and that definitely like i think partly because i couldn't go visit it like totally captured my imagination and i um end up writing about or imagining it, you know, and it's like takes, you know, it's one of the final places that they, they, uh, visit in the book. Diane, would you, before we, before we go, before we go any, um, further, would you mind reading, um, a little bit from like maybe about two minutes or so? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I'll do maybe just a little bit from a part of where they're walking uh, in the landscape. Oh, okay. 
would this be the walk when B is is not not there? No, she's there still. It'll be more general, I think. Okay. Um, here, I'll read a little bit. Okay, I'm going to read, it starts, I'm going to start reading from the section, The Big Walk, um, which starts on page 61. On the big walk, they passed through entirely new landscapes, tumbled into grasslands that smelled of nutmeg after a rain, bugling elk crowded valleys with sounds of a lost world, the animal equivalent of a haunting, lonesome whistle from the refineries outside the city. They passed into regions of low, strange mountains, a mix of jagged-looking peaks and mellow, rolling, red-capped hills. From far away, some hills stood like tiered wedding cakes. Up close, they were only once solid things crumbling to pieces. Between them lay swaths of, of grass dotted with juniper and pinion. The stars at night vibrated so closely together, their cloud of light covered the whole of the sky, so much more comforting than the narrow embrace of the Milky Way. They crossed new sage seas where all it did was rain. They didn't know if it was the season or the climate. The wet sage smelled like its best self, better even than its sunbaked self. It smelled clean and soapy and left the air sticky. The deer they met ran and ran and ran, then stopped and looked. And after seeing them still, the deer ran and ran and ran some more. The horizon was unreachable. They found the true desert, or it seemed to them. The soft alkali sands where they lost their tracks as the sun moved overhead, changing the texture of the land with its light. The loamy, dry lake beds, playas, smelled of mushrooms, of dark body crevices. The hot horizon floated in front of their eyes like a river of gold. They walked for days through knee-high plants and alkali lakes, dried and white and glazed and crackled, up long, low slopes, then down, and the sight was always the same. Another expanse of tossed brown and green sagebrush, tufted white grass, each plant distinct and curling into itself, and only itself. They could walk between each bush without touching one. It was a lonely landscape. I'll stop there. Thanks, Diane. Yeah. It's a beautiful place that I... You know, beautiful places... Um, inspired the wilderness state and I, I it's basically like an amalgam of all the beautiful striking places out west that I had the privilege of seeing with my own eyes you know it's well you can tell in the writing you can feel this this very much this um it feels like a, like this deep connection or honest, some honest connection of this, how much like this, this land is, is valued, like how much it is. Maybe it's also part of the, the deep attention too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what I wanted this book to be as much about nature as people. Um, and why, why is that? 
I just, I don't know. I mean, I, because that's what I like. (laughs) (laughs) I like nature, (laughs) maybe more than people. (laughs) No, I like people. Um, (laughs) Most of the time. Um, I, well, I, you know, I, think most of the things that I read are nature writing. It would be called nature writing. Like I read a lot of nonfiction. My whole like base of thinking about the world comes from a naturalist perspective. Um, I mean, the the reason you and I connected was because we had a mutual friend who I taught with at the New England Literature Program, which is the program at University of Michigan. Um, and that's like what the program where we would read Walden and Emerson and like read Frost and Dickinson and talk about literature through a lens of what it means to be in the same landscape that it's, that it's talking about. And so I think extracting place from people is like something I can't do anymore. Um, it's just like to, they're just, they're just the same to me. Um, and I don't, and I don't know if it's like some fantasy life that I was like trying to live or, I mean, I live in Brooklyn. It's like a shocking thing to most people who know me well, that I, I, I've like lived in Brooklyn for almost 20 years. It doesn't make any sense to who I am as a person. And yet, it's, it's what I do. Um, but I think it's, it's like either I write about the natural world as a way to escape where I live or, or I write about the natural world in some kind of response. I don't know. I just, I just think the natural world tells me a lot more about things, about life and about people than the man-made world. And I will say that like being in a city and thinking about nature and trying to see nature is its own kind of work and a really rewarding work. Um, I know I laughed earlier when you were like, did you hike in Brooklyn? (laughs) Um, but like I can hike in Brooklyn. I live really near this great park and, um, there are actually hills that make me breathe a little harder, you know, like it's like, it's a real, there is nature and you know, my apartment's infested with cockroaches and we have mice and that's nature too, you know, <laughs> lots of creatures, little beings. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's like nature is also the absence of in my mind. So it's something that I'm thinking about all the time, even when it's not in front of me, because it's something that I want And I don't, I honestly don't know where that desire came from. I grew up in the suburbs, you know, um, but it's, it's just something some, somewhere along the line, I crossed a path with some kind of wild thing that like took me uh, with it, you know, and I, I just, it's something that I just love to think about. Though, like, I'm not someone who's, like, lived like this. Like, I don't generally go... I'm not a super rustic person. I don't go backcountry camping. Like, I stay on paths and I use maps. (laughs) And, you know, I mostly car camp these days because I have two kids. And 
Um, right, right. But, but I don't know. Yeah, I just love it. Well, and yeah, it because it it seems like it it definitely feels like it's a way of understanding the world where the world actually. I don't know. It's a feeling as well as a, a thinking thing. I think with it being in nature, like the experience of being um, open in the natural space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the book, Diane, too, like th- hearing you talk a little bit about, you know, Brooklyn and um, like, cause it, there, that would be informing parts of um, the new wilderness because there's parts about the metropolis and how, um, they were, I think, uh, they were lucky because they had a tree in their neighborhood, like in their, like one tree in, mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. <laughs> and that was a rare thing in this, this metropolis, right? The, yeah. How things, and the air in this metropolis was what, I don't know, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, the setup for why, um, why there is a need for volunteers in the wilderness state for the plot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the book is this, like, speculative near-future view of um, a world where, because of various things, but probably mostly because of climate change and the degradation of the land and resources we already have, um the world has gotten to, or the country has gotten to this point where most of the people live in like this huge metropolis called the city and all the other land in the country is being used for resources to, to support that population. Um, but there's one last wild place, you know, um, a wilderness area and it's, it exists basically by the grace of, whatever science government like it's it's the last thing um everything else has been developed in some way or being used in some way and this is the only place that's not being used outwardly for anything um except to study it right Mm -hmm. um and in the city and because it's just like such it's like imagining the industrial revolution and what it would be like to live through that but you know again you know what i mean like there's going to be a time when, I mean, it, I mean, it's already the case, like where the cities are really polluted. Kids in the city have breathing problems and, you know, there's no real true night because there's so much light pollution. And I mean, it's just like, I just took what the city really is for many people and pushed it to its most extreme. So in the city, kids like get really sick from the air um people are like literally living on top of one another everything has basically been turned into a high rise and your home is like a very small apartment in a big high rise and i basically have b and agnes are this mother and daughter agnes is very sick b is um trying to find a way to make her well, but she's run out of options. Like the medicines don't work. There's really nothing that they can do for her except as one of the doctors says, who treats her kind of on the after hours, she says that the only thing that Agnes needs is new air, you know, different air. Yes. And so B 
learns of this study that is asking for volunteers to go live in the wilderness state, um, you know, under the idea that they want to study how people and nature interact because it hasn't happened in so long that it's kind of this lost history. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure, you know, in the same way that we study things now, someone's got some idea and they want to test it. So they want 20 volunteers to go live there as, as naturally as possible. So as prehistoric hunter gatherers where they leave no trace, they make no mark, they make no permanent, um, impact on the land. And they, part of the, part of the experiment is to see if they can do that if people can even live in in nature without impacting it in some way and how they would do it too yeah and how um so that is the that's kind of the setup and then the novel starts after this group of 20 volunteers has been there for a couple of years so all of the like <laughs> drama you know all the dramatics and all of the like you know early deaths and you know trying to figure things out and the real hardship is over and now it's just life and they've like figured out how to live there and now they're just living there and it's still a very hard life because it's like daily survival but it's also this strangely bureaucratic like monotonous life um much like their life was in the city and i mean I really wanted to look at how something so different could also feel the same um, as far as like living is concerned. Because I think that is actually, (laughs) I love that you think that because it's this way of thinking we're going to be the people we're going to be no matter where we are Mm -hmm. and, and maybe taking responsibility for that. Yeah. Um, 